hello and welcome to the Double Take Podcast with your hosts Kirk and Kevin Weber. This is the show for fans of sports, music, and popular culture. On this episode, we discuss the Beatles' Rubber Soul album, ABBA Baseball and Collecting, and the first season of Disney Plus's high school musical, The Musical of the Series. Please join us now on Double Take. Okay, well, hey, this is Kirk Weber, and welcome to Season 2 of Double Take. Uh, Happy New Year, Kevin. Uh, Happy New Year to you. Yeah, um, we have took a little hiatus there for a little bit, but um, we thought it's time to jump into a a new episode, and we figure since it's 2020, this would be a good time to um, maybe, uh, you know, start a new season or something. We don't really know exactly how you should do that necessarily with a podcast, but it sounds good. So maybe we'll, um, the first season was abbreviated and then this one here will be our 2020. So how's we, how th- oh, go ahead. the pilot? The pilot was good. And, uh, we got, you know, we got an, another season, so. right? Yes. We got re-upped. Um, we still have the same showrunners, Um, so that's kind of where we are. Yeah. Um, yeah. so what have you been up to? Uh, you had a good time off. We're both teachers. So we had time off. You, you know, been hanging yes, in there. It was, um, it was a, a good long break. Uh, didn't really travel anywhere other than to visit some family here and there, but, uh, saw a bunch of movies and, uh, um, got to watch some football games and, um, got a bunch of new vinyl records that I got to listen to. And, uh, so yeah, it was a pretty good break. I'd say for sure. Yeah. I, me too. I, we had a nice break, um, met, you know, got together with some family, saw you, um, and then basically got to relax and get some sleep and hang out with the kids. And, um, yeah, it was good. You know, we also kind of going into the, the holidays, a lot of people were, had colds in my family, so it was good to get them healthy. So, um, but it's been, it's been fun, you know, I've been catching up on a little reading and doing some different things and fun, listening to some podcasts and, uh, but I am looking forward to getting back into some stuff with double take. I know you've been busy with your anchor podcast on umpiring and have been getting, um, more and more listeners, uh, any yeah, updates been... that you want to give on that? Well, it's an international podcast now because I have about uh, I have listeners in like ten different countries. Just want to point that out. Oh, <laughs> Actually, I, just... I do. There are several, but uh, yeah. but mainly United States and Canada. But you know, like I have listeners in Italy. I don't know how much how much umpiring goes on in Italy, but I guess there's some. You know, in like Slovakia and, and mm-hmm. Indonesia and whatever. So I uh, think but, yeah, the um, yeah. I think the um, the Italian baseball community is really itching for good umpire podcasts yes i i know they are i i mean i always figure that any of those uh anything that's not canada or the united states is somebody that is an umpire that happens to be over there and they're listening at that time like they're overseas i don't know what they're doing all right and you so could they're just checking it out you could probably get more latin american or or maybe from mexico if you did yours in spanish perhaps Yes, you know. I, I was thinking about doing Spanish, uh, but first I need to learn Spanish. So. <laughs> right, that would be good. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a little difficult. That's kind of a kind of like a barrier for you. Yeah, uh, si, senor. <laughs> yes, um, but you know maybe they can listen to you in English. I'm not really sure yes. if you're going to tap that market 
or not. Probably, um, probably not. Probably not. I don't think so. But nonetheless, it is going pretty well, and uh, um, I get some feedback. I got a little Facebook group for that, and uh, um, yeah, you know, I, I've got people that like listen to it every week, which is kind of crazy, you know. So mm-hmm. and this keeps going up a little bit. So hey, that's all good. I'll just I roll with it as long as I can, I guess. So I, I it's awesome, and I think you found a, a clever niche. And you have good connections in the kind of Midwest and Michigan area, which I think is helpful. And then if you can continue to expand that and get people to interview and so forth, have you lined up any future interviews or do you got anything? I've talked to a few people, but you know, that's always tricky. I mean, people's schedules are nuts. So I've got to do that. That's really the, um, probably the, the thing that I've been most disappointed is disappointed with is not being able to do that quite as quickly as I want to, but, um, but I'll get it going. So right. I'll figure it oh, out. Oh yeah. I mean it takes time and we're we're just amateurs here. So yes, it's like exactly. we like to have some guests on here. Speaking of that, um later on in this uh episode here, this first one of season two, I'm gonna um kind of do an interview and talk with my daughter, Mackenzie. Um uh now that the first season of High School Musical, the musical the series on Disney Plus is ended. Um she would like to kind of do an overview of that and her thoughts on that. She's been okay. kind of asking me to be a guest, and I said, sure. So I'm going to, uh, later on in the episode, I'm not sure what segment it'll be in. I think the segment after our break here, we're going to talk about the Beatles and our next album. I'm sure everybody's been itching to hear what we have to say about Rubber Soul. But, I, I know. They've been yeah, waiting since last I know. year. Um, since last year. It's been a long time. But we'll get to that. But we'll also have uh, something on that series from Disney Plus as as well as we'll try to weave in, we, you know, our usual uh, bits are, you know, Mount Rushmore, uh, App of Baseball Talk, uh, those sorts of things. So we'll see where we can work that in. Uh, but, you know, it's a new year, so we can always try something else, too, or, you know, see where it goes. I just ordered my um, 2019 App of Cards on uh, Friday at uh, five o'clock, so that's okay. when you could order them. So I don't know. I might. I, I have to be one of the first people to get my order in because they 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 ship out on on Monday. So we'll see how quickly I get them. I guess. So okay. Be interesting. Once you get those, that might be a good segment for us um, to do. Yes, and I also you know I like to get the World Series team. So I did order along with them the 1994 potential or you know projected World Series teams. Uh, the Montreal Expos and the New York Yankees. So um, I, I think I want to do like a little like, you know, World Series type of replay of that and see what the heck happens because I'm not that familiar with those teams. So I thought that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes. Yep. Right. That sounds fun. So, all right. Well, after the break, we'll come back and do some more segments. And uh, the first one up on on, on our radar is uh, Beetle Talk, uh, Album Talk with Rubber Soul. So please stick with us, and we'll and Happy New Year, and we'll be right back. So. 
So this week we're going to be talking about Rubber Soul, the Beatles album that was released in late 1965. Um, And of course, the version that Kirk and I are familiar with is the British version, which is a better version, I must say. However, there was a version in America that had the same cover, uh, cover picture. There was a slight difference to it, but uh, less songs on it, I guess. Uh, so we're going to be talking about the 14, I believe, I believe there's 14 songs on this version. Um, and then before that, um, there was two singles or one single that was released with a Day Tripper, We Can Work It Out. It's kind of like a double A side, I guess, if you really want to get technical about it. But that was released in October. And of course, a big number one hit for them. And then they wanted to get this thing out to the public before Christmas, you know, so it was released right. December 6th, just in time. And um, this is where the Beatles start to shift from the the uh, the quartet, uh, you know, with the guitars and drums and doing their thing and touring around to a little more psychedelic, a little more experimental, um, a little more um, in-depth on things rather than the Boy Meets Girl kind of love songs. I mean, they still have some of those, but they're also talking about some more unique kind of topics, all right? Right, So yeah. what do you... Um, just real quick, I'll just kind of mention like what they had on the Capitol album. So I have this vinyl and I listen to it and it's a fun album to listen to. But mm-hmm. and I'm sure the American public, when they listen to it, they're like, oh, yeah, this is cool. But there's some stuff missing. So it starts out Norwegian Wood starts the album and then it goes, you won't see me. Think for yourself. The word Michelle girl. I'm looking through you. In my life, wait and run for your life. So you don't have um, drive my car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, sorry, my, my mistake. Um, it starts. No reason was strong to you. Have it starts with I've just seen a face. Sorry. Right, I've just seen a face. It, yeah, right? yeah. You, it doesn't. I mean, drive drive my car is an awesome. It's one of the best opening songs on any album ever. If you, you right. ask me, nope, mm-hmm. not on there. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. could have been a single. Right, and I've just seen a face is not even. In my mind, I think of that as a help album track because of the British versions as somebody who grew up with the CD releases. Um, that's not even, to me, something that is associated with Rubber Soul. But, I mean, it's a good song. I don't know how good it is as an opening track, and I'm sure there was cringes by the Beatles because they spent a lot of time. I know Ringo's talked about this in interviews and stuff. They spent a lot of time figuring out sequencing of the tracks, and then they would get, you know, just kind of, bastardized by the capital release um and yeah. now the they have great songs so a lot of times you couldn't mess it up that badly but you're right i mean one of the when i think of rubber soul i think of the opening track just like i think when i think of when we start talking um about revolver i think of the opening track tax man right you know so um it's unfortunate that that's not there um but and of course when you don't know what you're missing it doesn't really matter, right? Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, yeah, it's a little frustrating. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it. you know, Drive My Car would be better. Um, there is still, I mean, there's a lot of acoustic stuff that goes uh, into these, but then they're using other instruments too. Like I think of a song like In My Life um, that has the organ and, and things like that. Um, so, you know, you kind of get a blend. But the other song that I think is missing from this is um, What Goes On, which is... Ringo, right? Does yes, the yep. capital version have a Ringo song? I don't think it does. Let's see here. Um, 
They have Wait. They have Run For Your Life. And Run. I don't there's see one. No Ring, there's no Ringo song on it, which, you know, is kind of a bummer, especially at this point because people, there's a lot of Ringo fans. You know, I'm mm-hmm. sure they wanted a Ringo song on there. Um, I'm not saying What Goes On is one of my favorite songs, but it fits very well with what they were doing at the time because they were kind of, they were getting a little into that kind of country thing um, at that time. So, mm-hmm. and a lot yep. more acoustic guitars, like you say, and also just the, the semi-acoustics that they were using as well. There's just mm-hmm. a certain sound that this album has um, that's very distinct. Um, you see a little bit of that with Help. I mean, there's a little more acoustic going on there, but this is definitely more of the electric acoustic. Uh, you know, you know the, the Bob Dylan influence, basically, as he was mm-hmm. you know, around the same time trying to move himself into um, doing electric stuff. So you kind of see a cross-section of the two, two groups, you know, um, Bob Dylan and the Beatles kind of doing similar types of stuff. So besides um, Missing Drive My Car, which is one of the more rock and roll songs that would be on this, which really makes the American version less uh, rocky, you know, it has Mm -hmm. more of an acoustic feel. The other song that's missing that was on the Parlophone one was Nowhere Man. Um, Nowhere Man is not on this album. And that one has more electric guitar stuff and is considered one of their better songs ever. And yeah. so you're really pulling out two really significant tracks um, from this. Now, people didn't know that they were missing those. And you do have In My Life, which is also considered one of the greatest songs ever. But um, but yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, I feel bad for the people in the American public. They didn't know what they were missing. You know, and those songs a lot of times come back later and stuff, but... It's just kind of just mixing things up and it, it throws it off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, basically, you know, as you know, just like they did with Help, um, they used seven tracks from the British album, uh, leaving four over. Uh, two of those, like I've just seen a face and It's Only Love, were included on the American Rubber Soul. Then plus 10 tracks from the British Rubber Soul. And then the remaining tracks from the British album, two from Help and then four from Rubber Soul were issued on... Um, Yesterday and Today, which would come out later. Like, so they made yeah, like just, another album, basically. Yes, yeah. yeah, that's what they did. Yeah. And what happens is, like, if, I know when I listen to, especially Beatle albums, but certain albums that you listen to a lot, you kind of already know what the next song is. Like, you, It's almost like you, it gets ingrained into your brain. Yes. Yep. Um, well, uh, and, you know, so we have more of the British kind of feel for that from the CD releases from the late 80s into the 90s. But... Um, and I'm sure that the British, um, fans from that first generation of Beatle fans had that sequencing that they had, but this, this American capital one, I mean, I don't even know what you would think. I mean, it's just all over the place, you know? Um, which is, I mean, it doesn't matter, I guess, but like, it just isn't the same thing. (laughs) Well, the other significant, um, song that's missing is if I needed someone. It's not yes. here yeah, which is, who sings that one? George, uh, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, now, I mean, and that's the other thing is, you know, like normally George and Ringo would get thrown a bone. George might get a couple tracks, Ringo normally one, um, and then a lot of John and Paul. But um, w- they would have a fairness to it on the British releases. But in the United States, they didn't really care. You know, they didn't yeah. look at it that way. I mean, they do have Think for Yourself, but, um, you know, they don't have... I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Harrison, Harrison starts to, you can start seeing George coming of his own a little bit here um, on Rubber Soul. And, um, 
you know, you don't really see that with the American release. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's a different um, sequencing to it. And which is interesting. I don't know. I know I sent you a link um, a week or two ago about that interview that Mark Lewison did on the uh, Egg Pod podcast, which was phenomenal. Did you happen to have a chance to listen to that yet? Or no? I haven't yet. Um, okay. You really need to. I mean, any interview with him, you know, as to me, yeah, the oh yeah. ultimate Beatle historian, and he's just so thoughtful and um, articulate on how he says things. But he was, you know, he decided, you know, basically the Egg Pod podcast, which is really cool, is they just look at an album every time, right? And it, it, but it's not always a Beatle album. It could be a solo tr- album or something like that. And there's a ton of them. It's very professionally done. And um, they, for a long time, they were trying to get Mark Lewison to come in and, and do something. But he actually, you know, ironically says that he doesn't consider himself a musicologist and can talk about the music, which is like kind of really, dude, you know, like you seem to do a lot better than any of us do. But um, so he's like, I don't really want to get into some of the music aspects of some of the stuff. So he decided to pick um, the Star Club Sessions which I've recently revisited and we can maybe go back to some of these more bootleg type things or alternate Mm -hmm. sort of things later on at some point in some of our shows. But, um, he was talking about when they were playing through 1962, getting into 63 before the record labels start coming in. And what we're talking about, which is like, you know, Ringo getting a track and George getting a track or two is they would go through, like if you had the right sequencing in these star club ones, and I want to find a bootleg that, is correct. Like there's some songs that I haven't heard before. Um, but he was saying that basically they would rotate through. I mean, it would be John has a song, next song, Paul, next song, George, next song, Ringo, come back okay. to John. Like they would just go one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And George got as many songs as anybody. And, yeah. and that stopped. And, and Ringo did too, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. The, and Ringo was, you know, he could have, he was kind of like, when he was in Rory Storm, the Hurricanes, things like that, he was capable of just carrying a show. You know what I mean? And Ringo, when you really start breaking him down, he really does have a lot more talent than people give him credit for. Oh, he does, yeah. Um, So, you know, it's like there was a... But I think particularly about George, as we're talking about this and how he kind of gets... Like, George's frustrations with what happens in the Beatles stems from really the beginning of the record contracts. And... You know, he's kind of just getting pushed aside. And, you know, now a lot of the songs are being written by John and Paul and they are the the stars reason. Yeah. And but they but they definitely got a lot more favorable, you know, aspects to things. And I can see where that was frustrating for him. And George Mm -hmm. was always kind of at times kind of a little grumpy at times. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, I love him. But, you know, he would, you know, he'd call it like it is sort of thing. And, yeah. you know, he probably was like, hey, we got a lot of money in this and fame and this is working fine. I'm well, not going to say anything. It just, it just took off and you're just riding the wave. Right. And what? You're, what, you're going to be like, oh, well, I'm not getting as many songs. I mean, you're making exactly. bank. And you're just, you know, you're the lead guitarist of the most popular group in the world. Okay, just let it be. Right. You know? It's <laughs> 1965 going into 66. I can see where by 1966. Eight and sixty nine, and onward, he is like I'm done. Okay, like you know, a few more years from now, he's really like it's gonna like be like I'm not gonna deal with this anymore. But at this point, they're so busy, they're making so much money, they're so famous. It is probably fun in many ways. Um, just go with it, right? You know, and they didn't know yeah. how long it would last, that sort of thing. But 
you look back and you can see where it's like a buildup of things for a guy that would many times find things to take offense to. I can see where this would eventually. Oh yeah. I agree. So, but, um, anyway, when we, you know, coming back to the music of the album, it is a, either album, as you look at it, there are some really notable songs, great songwriting, um, great recordings, performances, you know, whether you take a song like Michelle or a song like I'm looking through you very kind of underrated Beatles song, but it's a, just a great song. Uh, mm-hmm. even run for your life, which nowadays would be very objectionable because it's really talking about, uh, you know, uh, John kind of the lyrics of that song are talking about, um, if you cheat on me, I'm going to beat you up basically. Um, but he's just <laughs> trying, he's trying to, to mimic the Elvis song. I think, uh, let's play house or whatever it was. Called. Right. Yep. He's just trying to write a song that's like that. But yeah, I mean, it, it you know, it's not a very, the yeah. lyrics aren't very nice. That's for right. Sure. It's a, it actually has a great tune and melody to it. And it's, oh, it does. Um, yes. I, I always feel guilty singing along to it, but I really dig how it sounds, you know? Yes. Oh, um, yeah. And then, you know, Norwegian Wood is a great song um, that John wrote. Of course, that also has its own connotations with kind of like an affair of some sort. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of people, that's kind of like a, a um, kind of a favorite of theirs, like when they look at more, obs- not obscure, but, you know, lesser known Beatles songs. Um, so that's a great song. Um, and, you know, and of course, you know, a song like In My Life where it's John talking about you know, um, friends that he had, maybe Stu Sutcliffe and, and other people that they lost along the way. It's breaking out from some of the common lyrics of boys and girls and relationships into other more thoughtful ideas. And it has a great melody and it's one of the best pop songs ever written. And of course that is just buried on this album. Um, yes. And, you know, so, I mean, those those are all good stuff. You know, I do like the British version better because it has more balance with all four of them um, in its own sense. But um, it's a great album. And in the album cover is cool, too. You got the fisheye lens um, and this kind of, you know, different kind of image of them. Um, you know, so it's um, it's good stuff. And you throw in the singles like we were mentioning with like things like Day Tripper and We Can Work It Out, which have a little bit more of a kind of a pop rock kind of feel to it. And they were they were on, on top of their game, you know, by the end of 1965. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many songs on this album that, that could have been singles if they would have done things like you do nowadays and just keep releasing singles. Like mm-hmm. I'm Looking Through You would have been a big hit. Um, uh, you Won't See Me is a great song. Drive My Car, obviously. I mean, Paul has mm-hmm. been um, doing that song, the open concerts, for, for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, Girl is a my, really good song. Yeah, Girl's too. an awesome song. I mean, those songs could have been big hits on their own, all like top 10 or better type right. songs. You know, like you a know? lot of times you like to milk an album. Rubber Soul, they could have milked that mm-hmm. album for oh, yeah. two, three years, kind of like what Michael Jackson did with Thriller or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, it could have been. I mean, it's one of my favorite albums for sure. I mean, I you know, Rubber Soul, Revolver, and um, Abbey Road are like probably my top three. And, um, you know, it's right there. It's just a fun album. I mean, even a song like, you know, You Won't See Me is a great little song, you know, that yep. all just sticks on the album. It's just a fun song, you know. And think for yourself. You know, when, when I was younger and first started liking the Beatles, I didn't always give George and Ringo as much credit as I probably should have. I mean, I do nowadays. And when you listen to a song like Think for Yourself, it's a very good song. And, mm-hmm. a, you know, a poignant song, too, you know, yep. when you really listen to it. 
Um, and even a song like If I Needed Someone, I mean, because George has a little bit different um, melodic take on things, and, mm-hmm. and both those songs are perfect examples of that. Um, so at first it's like, okay, it's not as catchy as something like You Won't See Me, but If I Needed Someone is, there's, you know, it, it, I guess, you know, he, he was listening to back to the birds and stuff and mm-hmm. understanding the folk rock thing. And when I first listened to this when I was a teenager, I didn't necessarily make that connection just sounded a little different but you hear it in there and it's right. a great song it has that jangly kind of um guitar aspect to it and um I, the thing that was that's beautiful about george when you listen to the british versions of the albums is he gives a nice contrast to some of mm-hmm. the some of the other songs written by john and paul and and performances by ringo so that's where not everything's sounding the same you know, and, well, yeah, that's uh, like it's like nowhere a man think for yourself the word. You know, I mean, that's a right. great little sequence there. Mm-hmm. Or uh, wait, if I needed someone, run for your life. You know, and, I mean, in in that egg pod episode where they interview Mark Lewis and he they branch off into a lot of topics and he talks about how they had so much variety on their albums, like they they sounded they would always be trying some different sort of uh, genre of music. Uh, and it kept evolving as they go. So it, it was always kind of interesting. And, um, you know, you see that on all the albums kind of going forward and it gets more um, more prevalent on each album. And I think you start seeing that on Rubber Soul. And of course, by the time we get, you know, into 1966 and into 67, it's even more pronounced. Um, so fun album, great album. I think it's a good album, like a good gateway album into the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. You know, I think Rubber Soul and Revolver are probably pretty good gateway albums. I mean, you can go earlier on stuff, too. There, um, Again, um, I'd like you to listen to the Lewison interview because there's a lot of really intriguing things he talks about. And one thing that he wants to um, – he thinks that there's this myth about them always being early on the lovable mop tops. He's like, no, I don't think they ever were. I was like, interesting. And he starts talking about that. Um, so, and he's working on that second volume and, uh, of his book, you know, and I hope he's getting close, but, um, it's, it's fascinating to listen to him talk. I, I just, I, I wish I could, um, you know, just kind of be a fly on the wall sometimes on some of the stuff he's doing. But, um, so yeah, check that out and, and, you know, we'll see. He, he just really, yeah, go ahead. Speaking of the like the lovable mop top thing, I think the thing that makes people think that is because you know they understood the craziness of just four to them anyway, regular dudes becoming super duper famous, and they're always kind of playing off that. They're never like, Hey, I am, you know, they're always like joking about and the famous, fabulous, famous Beatles, you know, Mm -hmm. like that. They know it's like just such like a like a to them, it's like a joke, you know? So right. there's not, there's like, to them, it's, it's not like being cute or lovable. Mm-hmm. It's just like, okay, whatever. You know, people are like being fooled. That's like what right. they look like. You're a bunch they're of They're very fools. irreverent. Yeah. Yes. I mean, they, um, and even in the, in the movies, they're, they're that way, but right from mm-hmm. the beginning, they're that way. And I think in the, in the second volume of Lewison's book, in his trilogy, he's going to really get into that. 
and he alluded to that in that in that interview and it was fascinating if you're a Beatle fan to listen to him talk about that and what's great about him is he's he's really a historian and he uses you know primary sources and and things that he can document that can go back and actually kind of prove points and not just kind of you know whatever he thinks type thing and so it's really well researched and He's something else, um, you know, yep. I mean, I, you know, I, and, and he also talked about, you know, once he could get through these three volumes, uh, coming back to revising some of them, but he's not going to revise volume one before he finishes volume two and three. I mean, come on, really? Yeah, exactly. But, but there's been new things that have come out that would lead to even in volume one revising which is fascinating too. So I always like, I just got, I, I like, I am just on every word he's saying, I am like, what is he going to say? You know? Um, I love it, you know? So yeah, hmm. it's definitely, I probably will go actually made me want to go back to, um, you know, uh, tune in the first volume. And I really want to start back, um, with basically ni- the 1961 into 1962 stuff. And uh, and go with that. But there's uh, I want there's two things that he talks about with a relationship between John and Paul and Ringo's drumming and John's rhythm guitar playing on the um, on basically those recordings for Live at the Star Club. Um, I'd like you to listen to that and then maybe we can talk about that in a future episode, you know, after you kind of go because then you could go like it'll make you want to go back and listen to those recordings again. You know, and the first time I listened to those and you, you and I did it together, it was like, oh, these are kind of crappy. You know, it's just like, you know, like like, whatever. But now when at our age and stuff, you listen to it totally differently. All right. Well, you know, I have a couple, I have a couple vinyl versions of um, the Star Club. I have to see. Yeah, I do. What we need to get, and I don't have it. I mean, I have the one that was the Sony CD release that got pulled off after a lawsuit and then another one, and I had a couple different tracks on each one, but there's one called Red Hot, and it's a different Red Hot, but it's like a really fast song that George and John do that I've never heard that apparently was one of these uh, tracks, but um, apparently some of the lesser versions um, are when they try to turn it, in, they try to equalize it, you know, EQ things, and the the problem is the, the more you try to do that, the louder they got when they were there at the Star Club, the more din and uh, back feedback came, you know, with the recordings. So you were just better off just leaving it alone, right? Mm-hmm. So some of yeah. the newer bootlegs, leave it alone, right? Mm-hmm. And I actually yeah. think that some of the stuff that we listened to had more of this echo going on that yeah. was not as necessary. And I think if we could find, um, and actually Lewison says it, I'll have to go back. He says the definitive one that that has come out that he thinks is the best one. And I'd like to see if I can track that down, you know? Okay. So, um, so yeah, fascinating, fascinating stuff. I know we've kind of tailed off from rubber soul here into that, but there's always those connections. That's the beauty of the Beatles is that it all connects together. It all kind of weaves together if you really start looking into it. And it, and it's like a story that never kind of is finished. There's always like yes. other pieces to it that are fascinating, you know, at least to most of us that are big fans. So, um, all right. Well, I think, you know, we, we did justice, I think, to Rubber Soul, and we'll jump into um, the, the, one of our favorite, yeah, Revolver, one of our favorite albums in our next episode. Um, and uh, now we'll just kind of jump into a couple other uh, segments, right? Um, yep. And 
Um, we'll do that after we come back from this little break. All right. Well, welcome back. Um, we're going to do a little app talk. We hadn't done that in the last couple episodes, and I know we have some fans of our podcast like Apatalk. Um, so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about collecting Apicards, but the first thing I want to ask you, Kevin, since you um, mentioned earlier in the show that you placed your order for your new set of Apicards for baseball. Yes. Um, how that experience went. I know there's been some changes. They're not doing phone orders anymore. Um, I think there's some old-time Apa card collecting people that that's how they always did it i mean i remember in the in the day you used to also like fill out a thing in a um in the you know in a magazine flyer thing yeah flyer and send it in and remember how like you could also like they would send you a card i think like one card or something like that yeah as an example uh, which was kind of funny um but how would you know you did it online I assume it was pretty seamless for uh, you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, the last couple of years has been the same uh, basic process, and they've changed it around because, well, let's put it this way. There's a lot of old dudes that like Apple, guys that are older than us, and they don't always um, understand the technology or what's going on and how to order something online, I guess. I mean, there's plenty mm-hmm. of guys that do, but there's, there's a, a good number that don't seem to do that. And they don't do the phone orders anymore because they get messed up. Like, you know, somebody says, oh, no, I wanted the 2018 set and uh, the um, 75 World Series set. That's what I told you. Uh, Didn't you write that down? That's what I said on the phone. They don't have it. And then they don't have any way of, of, like, noting They can't prove it. Right. Yeah, and then they got to ship it back and forth, and it's a big freaking mess, okay? And so they had that many times. Yeah, yeah. shipping is a huge deal, too, because yeah. we're talking about kind of heavy product and, and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so I get that. I mean, yeah. You know. So now it's like, um, well, the for example, January 9th on Thursday, they dropped the new set on the website at 5 o'clock exactly, okay? I looked at like 4.30, and it was just 2018. Right at five, <laughs> 2019's right there. 75 bucks. All right. And then um, if you put in your order and it gets processed, then they are going to, you know, in the order that they were ordered, uh, they'll ship them out starting Monday the 13th. Uh, if you live in the Georgia area or somewhere close to where, you know, Alpharetta is, you could drive in on Saturday and pick them up between nine and noon if you didn't want to pay the shipping. The mistake that people don't uh, seem to get, a lot of guys, is they act like APA is like Amazon. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. Okay. Um, we're very lucky that uh, John Hurston's running the show here and keeping this thing going. I mean, he loves doing it from the things I've heard. Um, but it's um, a, a smaller company. I mean, they, they do everything very well, but shipping costs are expensive and paper is expensive and printing is expensive. And if they've got to, fix a bunch of stuff or somebody says they order this or that and then they you know feel like they have to be a good um company and and refund something right and they're mm-hmm. losing that and then we're not going to be able to order apple cards anymore so they have to streamline this process they can't free returns take it to Kohl's like it's amazon or something here that's not the way it's working you know mm-hmm. so they have to watch what they're doing and if you screw it up on your online order that's on you sales are final which is you know watch what you're it's doing it's got to be that- 
if, yeah. if they're losing money, they can't continue to be a company. I mean, so I get it. Yeah. And, and they're not trying to screw anybody. They're just trying to run a business. Um, so, that, I mean, that yes. makes sense. I mean, it seems totally up, up you know, above board, a legit, whatever, however you want to call it. Um, but, you know, I mean, I get it. There are some people that, you know, have been involved with Apple cards for decades and mm-hmm. they are people that might not really use a computer that much. And you can still order via mail. I mean, because that is a paper trail. You know, you right. put down exactly. I mean, there, you can still do that. I don't think many people do, but there's probably a handful. But uh, it's either got to be online or via mail. No phone orders anymore, I mean, mm-hmm. which I don't blame them. You know? Right. And so. I think that um, anybody that would be the people that would complain about no phone orders are probably not listening to our podcast yeah um, and then like you see on the the app of facebook group how do you order cards when you can order cards what do you gotta do i tried to call them and they didn't answer and also they put on there like we're not going to be answering the phones at this time or that because you know people start calling up, hey when can we order the cards <laughs> okay go on the website um get the you know the appa newsletter thing sent to you um there's things out there to to make it make it easy for you <laughs> i so. i guess i'm in the, it's an interesting topic and it's not really necessarily the one that we were planning on with this appa talk but it's like nowadays appa has a good social media presence and mm-hmm. some good websites their own website there's the there's a blog um there's some good stuff out there the information is readily available i don't know why people get so confused I, I, I don't know. either. I, I mean, Tom <laughs> Nelshop and put it on a, on the Apple blog. Um, you know, when things are on sale and things too. I mean, he doesn't work for the company; he's just running his blog. But he puts out the info. He sees I mean, the same thing. Yeah, you mm-hmm. can find yeah. it. You know, it's not like the old days where you might not really know exactly the timeline and and how everything works. And you can listen to the Apple. Um, podcast too and they always will have some updates and talk oh, yeah. about those things it, it's it's right there you can find it mm-hmm. out i mean not i'm not trying to scold anybody but i i just find it it's got to be frustrating for their perspective they can't well, go, it is. that's why they do it this way now yeah. right and they can't go out and make a big deal out of it it's you know, on their blogs or their website mm-hmm. but you and i can it's like come on people get it together yeah. i well, mean people will out, then they go online people go on facebook and complain about the customer service this or that or they tried to call or they didn't get this order or that and you know the company can't like it's hard yeah. for them to defend themselves without looking like a bunch of jerks you know right so they got to kind of just take it you know, but mm-hmm. some uh, frequently it's it's the the consumer's fault <laughs> from what yes. I see. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, your experiences, you were down in Georgia and you had a mm-hmm. firsthand wonderful experience. Maybe yeah. we should mention that. Like you basically got a tour, right? Yeah. I mean, yes. So how did uh, that work John out? Herson. Well, I went in there because I was going to um, I, I had emailed them telling them I was going to buy a, a set. You know, the, I think I bought the 1908 set. I think I bought two sets. I can't remember. But, you know, you can save on the shipping because shipping is expensive, you know. Mm-hmm. So plus I just wanted to check it out. You know, it'd be cool. So got in there and, you know, got to, it's just a, a little warehouse that they've got in a, in a, in a business 
um, area there that's in kind of not really a, a strip mall kind of place, but you know, kind of similar to that. And a uh, business park or something. It's like yeah. a, it's a business. Yeah, that's what it is. It's a business park with their little warehouse there, not a real big one. Um, you know, he's they've got like a display desk and stuff, and he's got his offices and everything. And and then it's like you go back there, and he's got well, well these are the baseball ones we got every season. Here's football, and here's hockey, and here's golf, and you know different ones that they have there, right? And um, it's pretty cool. You know, you can see them there and all the teams and everything. And it's it's a very hands-on kind of thing. It's not like there's some machines, you know, sorting all the cards or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, so you see that and you know that for most businesses to keep above board, I mean, there's, there's a fine line between, you know, um, paying for things you don't need to or, or not, you know. And one of them is mistaken orders. You can't mm-hmm. be making mistakes on that. It's you know? going to cost you money, yeah. And and that's where like I mean I think it's really cool that he welcomed you in and showed you kind of behind the scenes and they they send out I believe for their printing they're not printing there oh yeah they, you yeah, know that's so right. they do so they mm-hmm. have to do they have to work through their printers and and you know deal with that and that is always a costly thing as somebody who has a degree in journalism I know working with printers you you got to make sure everything's working right and of course they're dealing with a good card stock and. There's lots of stuff that goes on with that. Well, that was a thing a couple years ago when they had some, like, extra card stock. I believe they were switching to something else, something like that. Anyway, they had extra, and that's where they um, had the sale for individual teams you could get. So um, until they ran out of that particular card stock, so, like, I ordered several Tiger teams and this and that. You get, like, one team. They were, like, I forget what it was, like, five bucks or six bucks a team or whatever, and you just order Mm -hmm. as many as you can. I got a bunch of them, if you recall. And so that was like the only kind of sale that they had because they had the extra. They're just trying to do what they can with that because, you know, they have the extra right. stock. People also are always looking for like a sale. Are these going to go on sale? No, the price is the price. You know, right. it's, a, it's a fair price. They're the only place that has. I mean, they could charge a lot more if they wanted to. Nobody else is making Apple cards but Apple. <laughs> you know? Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it's, you know, and there are other ways where you can avoid that. If you want to do online, you know, more digital versions, you can do that. But, but yeah, I mean, if you want the paper version, which is kind of part of the whole hobby, that's, that's the way it works, you know? Um, but yeah, you know, I, um, I just think of how people will kind of, I mean, it's good to have good expectations. Don't get me wrong, but I think, but I think being unfair to them is, um, frustrating. And I know that, you know, you and I, and it hasn't worked out yet and I hope it will, um, you know, may get interviewed on their podcast. Um, and you know, they're, they've kind of contacted us, but we haven't quite worked out a time where the two of us can come on and, and because we've been talking to APA here and there on our podcast and, um, we love it and we'll always kind of come back to it. Um, so I'm not sure what we'll, you know, what we can offer, but we, hopefully it's something interesting and, and stuff and and down the line hopefully people can uh check that out too but you know we're just supporters you know i mean we're just yeah. uh, i mean we'll we'll try to you know we'll be critical if you know fairly at times but um but you know we're, the reason we talk about it is because we love it we think it's great oh yeah you know mm-hmm. um so the topic that you and i thought would be interesting today is about the idea of collecting Apple cards. Now, a lot of times you, you do use Apple cards to play them. It's not like you're putting them, you know, you're bricking mm-hmm. them up or getting them rated by PSA or something like that. Yeah. But but there are so certain some, things, you, you know, the old versions, you know, like the, some of the original sets, particularly from the 50s and 60s, yeah. 
um, are valuable if you do have them and come across them. Um, and there's some differences with the uh, reissued ones, but yeah, so there are some there's some value in those if that's something that you're into. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not really my thing. I like the newer versions. I like it when they have the master symbols and all the statistics on them and stuff like that. But um, I mean, if somebody wanted to give me, uh, you know, a 1951 original set, I mean, I'd take it. But uh, oh heck yeah. <laughs> um, so. But we're talking about just ones that you want for various playability reasons, right? Would that Mm -hmm. be kind of what we're talking about? You're collecting those. Mm -hmm. And your big thing Mm -hmm. has been uh, World Series stuff, right? Yes. So where are you at Tiger stuff, all kinds of Tiger stuff, but World Series stuff, yeah. Um, So like I mentioned earlier, I'm picking up the the potential World Series for 94. Um, But uh, I've got, you know, within my sets that i have um i've got several several of the world series sets uh so um there's a few that i'm looking to get you know like in the future like some of the a sets but sometimes it's like okay do i want to have i've got the 72 um set Mm-hmm. But do I really need the seventy three and seventy four? Because I know the teams are different, but it doesn't make me want to buy them so quickly. Like, you know, yeah. Let's that like kind how of many thing. times do you want to play with the A's or something like that? Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you're a big A's fan, that's awesome. Right. And they have the seventy two and seventy three, but they don't have the seventy four available right now. But which I probably would buy because that's like my first set that we really played with. If right. You yeah. So I would probably get that if they had it. I mean, they've got like seventy one, two, three, seventy five. But they don't have 76, 77. I'd probably get 77, too. 77 know, would that. be fun. Yeah, because that's Yankees-Dodgers, right? Yes. Um, so, and 76 is Yankees-Reds. Reds, right. Yeah. So, and, and that is actually, the 76 Reds team is an interesting team. So, um, and that's the beginning of kind of that um, free agency built Yankee-Steinbrenner era team um, that's kind of coming together you know, some of the new people that they picked up. But yeah, I, um, so I mean, you would, out of the 70s, the ones that are missing, which one would you like to see the most, do you think? Let's see here. Well, I have 79, um, 78 is Dodgers Yankees again, probably, probably 74. And, um, and then for sentimental reasons, Yes. Yeah. But also, they don't have 1970. I, actually, I'd like 1970 with that 70, 70 would be um, great. Reds that's, team? Reds and Orioles. Team, that's probably number one. Reds mm-hmm. Orioles. I have online the 70 Reds, you know, for yes. Apago. Mm-hmm. Awesome team. A team that um, I would like to play in a tournament with. Um, yes. You know, young Johnny Bench. It's got a couple guys like Bernie Gar- Bernie Carbo and people like that on it. I think uh, May is on that team still. That team hammers. And they rake. Yeah. And they steal a fair amount of bases. Their pitching's pretty solid for that era. You know, like Don Gullett and people like that. And their pitchers hit really well. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a fun team. There's no Joe Morgan or anything like that, but it's a pretty fun team. Yeah. Um, and you know, know, I wouldn't, so yeah, I mean, if they had that, I would have bought the 70 world series set with them in Baldwin. That would have been great. So it's probably that one, then 74, then 77, mm -hmm. uh, would be the ones I, if they're going to add some, um, but it's like, I'm not going to buy the whole 1970 set. I'm not spending like 75 bucks I would say out of the seventies, the 1970 world series one, I'm surprised they don't have that one. A Mm -hmm. lot of hall of famers on both those teams. Um, a very interesting World Series. That's the one where, um, is it 70 or 72 where Johnny Bench kept getting robbed at third base by Brooks Robinson? 
That um, was in 70. 70, in 70 yeah. yeah. You know, not that that is part of APA, you know, like that's going to happen. It doesn't say, and Brooks Robinson robs Johnny Bench again <laughs> at third base. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that, those are some, that's some good stuff right there. Um, younger Tony Perez on that. and Oh, yeah, good, good stuff. Um, it's a different Reds team. It's not, I mean, it does have Pete Rose and stuff, but you don't have Griffey. You don't have Morgan. You don't have Cesar Geronimo and people like that. Or, or mm-hmm. even, I think you have Dave Concepcion, but he's really young at that time. Um, yeah. So it's a totally different kind of feel to that team. You know, I guess it's like when I, when I picture the 1970 team, I almost feel like they're wearing the vests. Or something yeah. like that. Well, know. they're probably, I think they're still wearing the wool uniforms. I yeah. think they switched yep. like maybe the next year or the year after, I think. So yep. yeah, that's true. It's a different um, it's a different thing. Yep. Um and then I mean, what other ones are you thinking that you're you know Well are, as far as the eighties, like they have nineteen eighty World Series set and I and I I wouldn't mind having that I mean Phillies the Royals. Phillies, the Phillies I think that's a good one. I, I'd like that one. Um, 82, I have that already. They don't have 83 available, but that they don't have 81 either because what? Or 81. Yeah. Yes. So that would be interesting too, I guess. But, uh, I think 83 would be very interesting with Phillies, uh, Baltimore and Phil in Philly. Yes. That would be kind of fun. Um, they have 84, five, six and seven. They don't have 88, 89. You know, I'm not too keen on those. Um, unless you're a big, uh, uh, Kirk Gibson fan, right? Yes, I, I guess the eight. You know, if you wanted, I, I do have. Um, I do have. Uh, I don't have the eighty-eight Dodgers though. Yeah, so I have the eighty-eight Oakland, but I don't have the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. Sometimes I try to pick them up, like you know, on eBay or something like that. But I mm-hmm. like it when they have the set, and and then they're you know they look the cards are like the same quality and the same same kind of design and everything. So right. Um. So you know, sixties they got a lot of stuff for. Um. I mean, eventually I'd like to get all of them, but this might be, I might, I might be 90 years old by the time that happens, I guess. They don't have the 61 World Series. I no. Mean, I have the 61 mm-hmm. Yankees, but they don't, you know, who would they play? The, they played the Reds that year, right? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the so pirate, they don't have the Pirates that. are in 60, so it's a Reds in 61. Um, and a young, what, um, Frank Robinson on that mm-hmm. team. Um in an interesting squad yeah that and that's different too you know like it's like when you see a team like from the 60s when you see a reds team there that's the only time they're in the world series in the 60s you know yeah um that's kind of fun you know Mm -hmm. but um yeah they don't have 63 63 was the dodgers and the was that the dodgers and yankees again yeah i believe so yep yeah so and they have sixty four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine, yeah, they have the rest of them. There. The rest so, of them. And I have most. Yep. I have. I have most of those. Is I think I have almost all of those ones. Fifties. Um, you know, going back there. Um, like they ha- I'd like to get the fifty one set because one, that's supposed the fifty one World Series set. That is like the original kind of Appa thing, and play the you know the Bobby Thompson you know mm-hmm. home run game and all that kind of stuff. That'd be fun to get sometime. But I don't have that one yet. So. Well, then, he would course, have been. You know, the, he would have been before the World Series, though. You know, I mean, they got him to the World Series. Oh yeah, that's true. You have to. Yeah. You, yeah, that's true. You'd have to get the Dodgers um, there as well to be able to yeah. play that. Yes. Yeah, I, I so would say I think that they used to sell that, but I don't think they sell that anymore. But you, so you'd have to pick up those fifty-one Dodgers or fifty-one Dodgers and play that game, or that series too, because it wasn't like a three-game series, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah, so that would be a fun one too. I think the 55 World Series would be fun because that's when the Dodgers won. I don't have that set as well. So uh-huh. that one would be kind of a cool one to get. So, I mean, there were a lot of good, there. you know, there's a lot of teams that are repeating, you know, whether it's the Yankees or mm-hmm. the Dodgers or Giants. Uh, Cleveland's in the mix a lot. Uh, towards the end of the 50s, you got the Braves. Um, but, you know, they're all a little bit different too, you know. Um, yeah. They do have the 1919 a World Series set available, and I definitely would like to get that and try that one out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to, to do the the Black Sox scandal World Series and see how it works out. I know people have done that. I'd like to just do it myself and see how that works out. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that'd be a fun one. So yeah, and that's uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Like I said, I got the '94 coming. I'm going to see how how those teams kind of play and see what's going on with that. So. Yeah, Expos and uh, Yankees, right? Is that ni- that's ninety four? Yep, right? so, that's right. So those should, yep. yeah, that should be intriguing to see how that goes. Um, you know, and of course, you know, it's different with you know, kind of Washington winning and that franchise actually kind of, kind of getting over it. But like Montreal never really got there, right? <laughs> yeah, know? that's true. I mean, well, I'm sure the Expos fans would have appreciated it, but uh, yeah, that's true. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, good stuff. When we come back, I'm going to uh, be talking to my daughter, Mackenzie, um, about a Disney Plus show uh, from its first season, uh, High School Musical, the musical, the series. And some of you may or may not be interested in this, but it's actually a pretty clever little show. And she wants to kind of break it down from a 12 and a half year old's perspective, I guess. Um, and we'll 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 do that segment and uh, hopefully have some good insight on that. So we'll jump into that after this break. All right, welcome back. I'm here with my daughter, Mackenzie, who is going to be interviewed and talk about High School Musical, the musical, the series, which is a new Disney Plus show. And uh, we're, I'm going to ask her a few questions about what she thought about it. She's watched the whole thing and uh, has some opinions. And I guess my first question is, um, which, you know, if you had a 1 to 10 scale, Mackenzie, what, what would you give it? You know, 10 being the best. Um, I would give it a 9, mainly because it's very cringy especially the last episode. Okay. Um, what, um, you know, what did you like the most about High School Musical, the musical, the series? I liked how they, like, went back and referred back to the original movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of and meta like, in its own yeah. way, yeah. Because it, like, is taking place in a different reality, mm-hmm. right? Um. Was there any particular songs you thought were your favorite songs? Okay. My first is Just for a Moment, which um, Ricky or Joshua Bassett sings. And Wondering, which um, Ashlyn sings. I thought that one was really good because it was like the first one that was like original. So... Right. There was, you know, they they sung because they're making a production of the of the movie on stage, some of the older songs, but then of course they had some new stuff. And there's some talented people, I think on the show, don't you think? Yeah. Um good singers and performers. 
Um, but you liked it also for kind of some of the relationships and stuff they had. What, what did you like about those? Um, I liked the little drama pieces in it, but Ashlyn and Big Red were probably my favorite because they're just like perfect for each other. So, yeah. Okay. Um, was it a satisfying first season? Do you feel like it concluded all right? I wish there was a little bit more, but I know that they have to leave it on a cliffhanger right. for people. So what are you hoping to see for uh, season two? Um, I'm hoping to see Gina. Gina was probably one of the best characters because she was, like, real and, like, cool. Yeah. So uh, at the end of it, they're not sure if she's going to be back. You're hoping she's back? Yes. Because Ashlyn had a huge idea, and I'm thinking that Ashlyn is going to have Gina, like, stay with her. Oh, yeah, like live in her house, maybe? They have extra room? Yes. I was wondering that, too. Yeah. So, um, you have that. Do you think that they're going to do a new musical next year, or, like, or one, like, I mean, this felt like a fall musical, because they had mm-hmm. homecoming. Yeah. Are they going to do a spring musical for the same school year? Or, I mean, it seems like when you have a series called High School Musical, the musical, the series, you're going to have to always have some sort of musical happening, right? Yeah. I'm thinking they're doing a spring musical because they've been referring to it. But they have to do a High School Musical. It's High School Musical, the musical. So maybe they'll do High School Musical 2. 2 the musical of the series mm-hmm. maybe <laughs> i i really wouldn't like that name but extra words to say right it is kind of fun to say it's a mouthful yeah yeah um all right yeah uh, any uh other comments or thoughts or what do you have on that um i just think that you need some of the characters weren't built like well enough to the fact that like you didn't really like them Mm-hmm. But I liked how Gina was like kind of like a bad person in the start, but then like now everyone like loves her. Right. So. So that's a, that's interesting character development, and I think when you have a minimum number of episodes, like a lot of these streaming service sorts of shows have, it takes a lot more time. So a lot of times in an old um, season of a show, you'd have over twenty episodes, and you have half that many right now in a show like this. Even when you mm-hmm. watch something on Amazon or something, they'll have like 10, 12 episodes. So um, so we'll see how it goes. Um, I think that they might, just like they do with um, the Star Wars series, maybe they'll you know kick it out a little bit earlier mm-hmm. than waiting a whole year again, right? Yeah, that'd be awful. Well, once it uh, launches again, we'll have to have you back and uh, talk about what the second season looks like to you. Uh, thanks for joining us, and um, we'll talk to you again later. Okay. That concludes this episode of Double Take. Thank you for joining us and consider giving us feedback on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Double Take Cast or email us at doubletakefeedback at gmail.com. Join us next week as we discuss the Beatles Revolver album the new Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees, APA Baseball, and more.
Double Take is recorded using Audacity and CleanFeed. We use Fifine USB microphones and distribute through Anchor.fm. Theme music, Funk in the Trunk, is by Shane Hiver at SilvermanSound.com. Please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at DoubleTakeCast, or email us at DoubleTakeFeedback at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>